Hi, my name is Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insight Series. Today, as our guest, we have Neil Wu Becker, who's Chief Marketing Officer of Behavox. So, Neil, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm really, Neil, I'm really excited to have you on the program today because one of our focuses over the next few months is to really highlight minority executives that have had success in their career because we would like to do our part in providing opportunities for those people in here in the United States as well as around the world that maybe don't have some of the opportunities to move into technology or marketing. And uh, so maybe just to start, tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into, into marketing? Yeah, happy to. So <clears throat> currently uh, I'm at a, a really small but fast growing company based out of New York City called Behavox. Um, it's a uh, compliance, security, and risk management company. And um, it's a, a very, speaking of minorities, it's a very minority run and diverse company there. We have about 150 employees that, that were born in 43 different countries, um, which wow. is an interesting ratio. Usually you don't find a ratio like that. Um, so it's a pretty worldly company from that standpoint. But to answer your question, if we zoom back uh, and rewind in time, um, I grew up loving sports. Uh, I see the Cowboys behind you. I see um, quarterbacks dropping back, seven, seven foot dropbacks and stuff behind you. Um, and I uh, originally went into uh, sports journalism. So I was a sports writer. Uh, I was a sports editor for a lot of daily newspapers out in New York and the San Francisco Bay Area. But uh, I was growing up at a time in the Bay Area when Silicon Valley was burgeoning and the dot-com boom, not bust, was happening. And the inertia pulled me into the corporate side of life where I said, you know, you've got to grow up eventually, um, as my mom would say. So I went and, and got more all, of a nine to five. parents say that, right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> a hard statement. They still yeah. say that. Yes, they do. So um, uh, anyway, so I, I made the jump. Um, a couple decades ago into the corporate world. And, and that's where I fell into marketing because naturally from a journalism perspective, um, I entered marketing from a corporate marketing and communications perspective versus say a computer science or a product uh, or a sales entryway, which a lot of uh, marketing practitioners do, at least in my space. Um, but when you're in the tech sector and enterprise B2B, um, the value that I, I found immediately in marketing, making that shift was around the storyboarding and the messaging and the corporate marketing aspects. So uh, I've, since making that jump many years ago, I've been at small, medium, large cap companies, Dow Jones Components, Bellwether Stock Companies. I've been at unicorns and pre-IPOs. I love them all, but I've been finding um, that the most impact you can make in marketing at this day and age is really being at a company where you can build and grow it up uh, on the smaller side of things, which is what I'm doing now. So I've pretty much fallen into the marketing side through a lot of Marcom, some PR, quite a bit of uh, 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 marketing communications across the board and then ultimately running marketing teams at large. So I'm curious on, on your perspectives. So you're, you're a Taiwanese American. Uh, growing up, did you find more or less opportunities as you were going through? Are there some, some challenges that you had along the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this, this answer will probably apply not just to marketing, but in general. Um, let me caveat it first by saying in the tech sector where I'm at, which is very global by nature, as you know, um, the majorities and the minorities, if you will, vary in country, in region and stuff uh, such. So, for example, there's a there's a large population of Asian Americans or Asians in general around the world that are in the tech sector. 
can't speak for the consumer sector or healthcare or finance or others, but in the sector I'm in, it, it, we, we face different diversity problems around maybe gender equity or um, women in leadership positions or um, Latino and, and, and black communities coming in, in, in more in population and volume into the space. Um, but what I can say is I'll share this anecdote. Um, when I was up for an executive position at a previous company, which remained nameless, there was an Asian friend of mine who I was a colleague with who came to me and said, Neil, you're not going to get it. There's no way you're going to get that role. I said, what do you mean? And maybe I was naive or maybe she was overly cynical, but she goes, Neil, look at yourself. You're Asian. Look at the leaders in this team. They're all female. They're all brunette and blonde. And they're all in this age group. And you're a guy and you're Asian. There are no Asians running these teams in this company. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, and it, I was actually struck by it. I actually ended up getting the job. Uh, and she was happy. It wasn't that uh, she was remorseful about it, but that was one of the anecdotes I've never forgotten in my career about the perceptions peers, whether I do or not, will have about how easy or um, entitled people are in moving up the ladders if they have ambition to do so. Uh, but what I would say for the challenges I face, not necessarily what she may have thought I would face, the challenges have all, often been finding the right mentors uh, I do believe strongly in mentorships. Uh, you only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know, and you can always get smarter, and you can always be a learner. So having those types of mentors around um, about how you deal with boardrooms and executive to executive conversations, how you manage folks, um, how you uh, deal with cross-cultural and cross-functional types of groups. Uh, in retrospect, whether you make mistakes or not, I could say that would have been very helpful if we had uh, a much better population of mentors that can help in that category. But I would say ultimately, Jeff, it's not so much about what the issues are you run into, because we all face issues no matter who we are. It's gonna be just really about how you attack it with your acumen, your strategy and your rationalization in terms of how you do your job. Did you yourself have a mentor growing up? I, I, I've had several and I still have them today. Um, in my more, I'd say in the past decade and a half, I keep two. And um, keep in mind, you and I both talk geek out in marketing. One is a chief security officer at a bank, and another one is a chief technology officer in the security space, in the info uh, cybersecurity space. Um, they have nothing to do with marketing. They can barely spell marketing. But where they have helped me is two, two areas. I keep two because one is my short-term mentor for the next three to five years out about what I want to accomplish in life or career, problem-solving things. And then I have a long-term mentor for the next 10 to 15 years out about where I want to be a decade from now. So I keep a short and a time horizon, map my mentoring to it. Uh, and those two people have been with me for over a decade now and guiding me in my career. That's amazing. And are you a mentor yourself to others? I am. I really enjoy it. Uh, I, ho I hope I'm not corrupting the next generation per se, but uh, uh, I definitely am called on to do that. And I have no problems doing it. I think it's part of uh, the way we can give back and recruit and groom the next generation. So you, you did mention that there is a, a higher percentage of uh, agents that are involved in the tech sector, but I'm not sure that it applies as much to Latinos uh, or Blacks. Are there things that you think we can be doing institutionally, structurally, individually to help get or close that gap, I guess? Yeah, I, I strongly believe there is. And a lot of it is out of your and my hands, I would actually argue, because when we start having these conversations about 
employment gaps with certain demographics in certain countries or certain areas, not just the United States. Um, it's often too late to have that discussion until you wait for the next generation coming in. So I, I'm a big believer that it starts at the grassroots level in the curricular programs and the higher ed institutions where you can actually have the professions, uh, in this case, say marketing in tech, uh, where I'm in, go in and start actually influencing uh, the curriculum and the universities to start recruiting, marketing, and educating on those types of pro professional lines. Uh, the best example I would give in tech is when I was in college and computer science was really blowing up. This is before data science, but computer science was really blowing up. So everyone wanted to be IT professionals because the IT community was really in need of a volume of people to fill their ranks. They were on those colleges that I was at or my friends were at recruiting us in job fairs, more computer science classes suddenly the next year. There's no law saying we can't do that in marketing or even in diversification style sociology classes that we want to implement. But I would say that's where you start, where the private and public sector get together at the grassroots level so that when we get to our age, we don't even have to have that discussion and figure out how do we rewind and make it work better. So, I, and I think that's excellent. And, and I, I know more and more companies are starting to try and do that, but there are so many uh, people that don't even go to college. They're sure. struggling just to get through high school. Are there things that we in the business community can be doing to reach maybe some people that are a little bit more disadvantaged and would never even have a chance to go to college? Yeah, that's a, that's a much tougher question and a much more substantive answer to require. I think my initial thought would be this, Jeff, is if we decouple and remove college for a second, we all know somebody, whether they're rich, poor, high income, low income, we all know somebody and our networks are really what power us forward in our career uh, choice and oftentimes the jobs that we get or don't get going forward, whether you have a college degree or not. Um, so I would argue the networking uh, in the, not just the inner city communities, but also the rural communities of our country, if we're going to talk U.S. for a second, um, becomes very, uh, very, it's a very solid opportunity for organizations like yours or even companies like ours to consider doing. Because I, I would argue this, our best engineers do not necessarily need four years of college. They need the expertise to actually code or a marketer needs to understand how to spell and message and storyboard and design and create and ideate and rationalize. Um, college will help you. It probably makes it a lot easier, but I would argue that we can also look beyond it into the high schools before they make the choice of, am I going to college or not? Am I going to the military or not? And start again, like I said, at the grassroots level, trying to professionally market influence and show more visibility or spotlight our profession at that stage of the game before they've even been in an adult situation to say, I'm going to be successful here, go here or not. So I would argue that we can go farther down the funnel, if you will, using marketing terms into the high schools and the junior highs to start recruiting in that way. And it also is fun. Anytime you've done a job fair or speak to kids or youth about your job, it's, it's a pretty liberating experience if they're engaged. Um, great, great, great advice. You, you had mentioned early in the interview, I think over 40 countries, did you say, are represented at the Haybox today? Yeah, so, we're, we're, we're about to hit 150 people and they've, they've come from 43 different countries, yes. I, I think that's amazing. I don't even, I can't even think of another company that has that kind of representation, such a small company. So I'm curious then, first of all, how does that even happen? How, are you specifically <laughs> recruiting to multiple countries? What are you looking for? How do you find that commonality 
what kind of culture are you building that draws from so many different countries? Because I, I find that fascinating. Sure, I, I can uh, expound on that. So first of all, just before I even got to the company, <clears throat> our company was founded in 2014 by five guys in London. So they weren't even American citizens, if you will. Um, and we have operations all over the world, which naturally will then start bringing in your employees from around the world. Uh, we're not a um, traditional hub spoke tech company where you have all your base, all your wizardry and, and brain power coming out of San Francisco or San Jose, and then all the minions out in the outposts around the world do it. It's not that model. The open marketplace of ideas that this company's espoused has allowed you to bring in people from around the world who can actually think and do, not just do when someone tells you what to do. Uh, from the hub. So to expound on that, I would say this, um, Behavox aside, companies in general have the ability to, if they're going to be global in a global industry, that there are uh, the worldliness and the approaches different countries and their cultures are taking socially and business culture alike um, to train, program, to uh, evolve their professionals and their practitioners may differ. And the beauty of that diversification then becomes my open marketplace of idea becomes much wider. I have more ideas that are more wider. I will say this, Jeff, that in the tech sector, I can't speak again for other, other industries, but in the tech sector, it's not about how cool you are or how good looking you are. Like it may be in say the retail outlets or the, the B2Cs, it is how smart you are. We want the smartest, most uh, uh, intelligent people you can find. And that means opening up an open marketplace of ideas where ideas can come from anywhere. So I think naturally just the, the character of the, or, or the persona, if you will, of the tech sector is such that they're gonna pull the talent from wherever they can get it, as long as it's the smartest they can find to problem solve for their customers. So it may be a slightly different answer than if you ask someone who's not in the tech sector, but that's all I can comment on coming from the tech sector. Well, I, I love that. And I think that becomes a great equalizer, right? You're just really looking for smarts as a great equalizer, Correct. right? Uh, hey, brain power is brain power, no matter what country you're from, no matter what the color of your skin is. I think that's, that's fantastic. So as you build out your marketing team, uh, yeah, I guess you're still in a startup rapid growth mode, but what are some of the challenges that you're facing? And I'd love to know how you're handling just um, is probably the most popular question, right? At the water floor, what are you guys doing in the current economic climate with COVID? Yeah, um, I guess we only have a half an hour for this one, don't we? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, we can always shoot that. We can always shoot that couple. We <laughs> chapter two some other time. Yeah. In all seriousness, Jeff, um, it's actually been uh, an operation of making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, let me explain. So our company, I can't speak for all the companies I've been at before or other companies I haven't been uh, who are watching, but our company is in complete build it mode. Um, there is no gun to my head saying, where are my leads? Where's my pipeline? We are literally building at the moment before we can grow at scale, our operations, our infrastructure, the processes, the major league standards we want to play at or not, um, which level we're going to play at team building. I'm hiring literally, if I can advertise right now, we are hiring a full on marketing team as we speak. Um, I have 16 recs I'm trying to fill just this quarter alone. That'll give you an idea of the volume of people we're bringing in. $100 million backing from SoftBank, so we should be able to, to afford that. Um, so as a result, we're in this complete build it mode this year. Even if the pandemic had not happened for us, we are still a very game theory style company where we methodically sequentially say step one, step two, step three, 
Don't worry about the pressures of hitting your numbers quarter to quarter to quarter until you can actually do it. So build the team first, build your operation, then springboard and go demand gen at scale from there. So if we had this discussion, say a year from now, this would be a completely different answer. Now I would say pandemic or not, we are in a massive fast lane mode to try to build our business, drive lead gen and demand gen. Right now we're in a completely um, more architectural build it mode of just getting our operations up and running. I love that. Um, so I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of CMOs would whimsically refer back to the time when they could just work on infrastructure and not have to. Not all the time, does it? Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. Yep. So um, is there a particular aspect to your strategy where everyone talks about uh, whether it's ABM, um, channel marketing, or key segments going through resellers? Tell us a little bit about how you're planning on going to, to market from a marketing yep. standpoint. We are in the throes of this right now. So um, if I were in front of you on a whiteboard, I draw a line that goes straight up, up from bottom to uh, top, from left to right, that has three markers on it. One is the tactical marketing state that we're in now, which is we're doing some one-offs just to keep the lights on and drive a little bit of lead gen, right? Um, the second one is to get us to, which we will be at the end of this year, in, a, in an integrated marketing state. So if someone says, what's your business model, you'll have an answer. In my case, if someone says, Neil, what's your marketing model, we run an integrated marketing model playbook here. Okay, so when we have an integrated marketing model that pulls in the entire marketing mix for economies of scale, not just digital marketing, but all of marketing and build integrated marketing campaigns that have 12 month horizons, then as that starts to go, what we're starting to do is peel off a special ops force and a carve out of our budget to do mass market demand gen at mass, but then also to strategic accounts in ABM play as well. So we're gonna have a hybrid model of mass market demand gen, ABM to strategic accounts as we go into next calendar year or fiscal year. Um, to do that strategically, I have a marketing framework I've used, I've lost count. This is literally, I think the seventh, sixth or seventh company I've now used it at. Um, I didn't learn it in grad school, didn't learn it from anyone. It's just from osmosis and empirical observation where I've kind of called this together. It's a four-step methodology that essentially um, tries to shed the image that you, I, and all marketing practitioners have of being pure liberal artists who don't understand the business and who like to spend money as a cost, cost center. Um, and, and the way I try to combat that in this four-step process is, which we're doing now as we mobilize, is determine the target with which we want to uh, project our sphere of influence. Is it just in our sector? Is it in the tech sector? Is it in the mass market and rationalize it? And then once we know where that target is gonna be, then we come up with our messaging tree. I have six branches, others may have others, but from industry trends and corporate positioning and business strategy of how we're gonna win all the way down to the underlying product and technology we deliver. Uh, once we know what we're saying within that sphere of influence, then the creativity and ideation occurs in the third step around, well, what are our integrated marketing campaigns gonna look like? So we're in the process of beginning to design them as we speak and then roll them off the assembly line with the triangle part of it, of triangulating uh, the in-house, the agency and the contractor resources that are gonna do the work and give us the best cost structure to cost effectively do it. Because if I triangulated that equilaterally, over time of startup, crawl, walk, run to a large cap company, you're gonna morph that triangle of how you use those resources. So before I spend a demand gen dollar, especially in a climate like this, where your revenue plans have been completely ripped asunder due to the pandemic and the macro, uh, what we're doing is that four step methodology, I call it a circle, square, square, triangle. If you saw my slides, they're in those shapes. It's not a very fancy name. 
so that once we start rolling off these campaigns and driving demand gen, it's not prey and spray, it's actually pretty methodically thought through and should be much more surgically uh, efficient as a result. I like that, but I think maybe you could brand that circle, circle, square, circle. I think that could be. <laughs> circle, square, square, triangle. Yeah, uh, we're already kind of espousing it at, at Behavox right now. No one's thrown tomatoes at me yet that uh, they don't think it'll work or that it's painful, but it allows us to be more thoughtful versus the average stereotype of us, which is all you guys do is waste money and pray and spray with your campaigns. Maybe you give us leads, maybe you don't. I want to shed that. Love that. So um, just curious, as you've grown through your career, you know, you've steadily risen and, and had opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you've learned that you would go back and tell your younger self? Like what, what advice would you give yourself coming out of school based upon everything you've learned now? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes. Uh, where do I start? I'll pick one, uh, maybe two tops. But one is, um, you heard me say it a little bit earlier, but uh, it's actually something I say to my team and myself all the time, which is to think and do. So when you start out, if I'm speaking to someone on, on this video right now who is 22, getting out of college, 25, only had one or two jobs, um, you are essentially an order taker, whether you like it or not, because you haven't gotten the reps yet to make decisions on your own, uh, which you inevitably will. Um, the think and do concept is there are doers who are order takers. There are thinkers who can ideate, create, strategize, and rationalize. And then there are think and doers who can do both the player coach type, the type who's not a stuffed shirt, who can roll up their sleeves and actually get their hands dirty, but strategize and rationalize on the front end of that. If I could have talked to my 22 year old self, it would have been get that think and do concept and start getting that hygiene in motion now and don't use your youth as an excuse to say, oh, I need 10 years before I can think because we have a brain today and we have eyes and we can observe. So the think and do notion is these are the types of people I hire, whether they're 22 or 66, can they think and do, or are they going to sit there and wait for me to tell them to push a button? Because if so, you can get an intern for free to do that. So we need people who can run their beats and have the open marketplace of ideas concept in their disposal too, versus wait for orders. I would say that. Otherwise, we should just join the military. Amen. <laughs> great advice, Neil. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the program today and sharing your great insights. Uh, all the best. Uh, for success at the Haybox. It sounds like you've got an exciting runway ahead of you. So, Same to you, Jeff. Appreciate it very much. Take care of yourself. All right, man. We'll see, we'll see you soon. Thank you.